Hi, and welcome to the Defenseless Moments Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Visser, and I'm joined here by Larry Wilson. For those of you who don't know Larry, he's the author of Safe Start, which over the last 20 years has become the world's most successful safety training process in terms of number of people trained and average injury reductions. Safe Start teaches us how to manage the human factors or states of rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency, and how they lead to critical errors like taking your eyes off task, taking your mind off task, ending up or being in the line of fire, or losing your balance traction grip. Now, I've had the pleasure of working with Larry for the last seven years, helping him manage some special projects like bringing Safe Start concepts to students and to athletes around the globe. But most recently, we've been working together on his new book, Defenseless Moments, A Different Perspective on Serious Injuries. In this podcast series, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into each chapter and share some of the stories and the ideas that weren't included in the book. Now, each of these stories or ideas, they came as Larry was working as a BBS consultant and as he was writing Safe Start. If you haven't had a chance to read the book or read the articles that are going out in magazines all over the globe, make sure to check out the episode notes for the link to the webpage with each article, as well as a link to the Amazon page where you can actually purchase a copy. And if you can, try and read this chapter, chapter number one, before listening to the podcast, because it'll help make this whole conversation a lot more meaningful. But before getting into the interview, I want to share a quick audio clip of Larry giving us a preview of what he writes about in chapter one, hazards or human error. If you think about all the people that you know well, you know, your family, friends, coworkers, I know people who would tell you the truth where the majority of their serious injuries caused primarily by the hazards or were the majority of their serious injuries caused primarily because they made two critical errors at exactly the same time. So in other words, what's really more important, hazards or human error? I hope you enjoy the series. Let me introduce our, our guest. So, Larry, can you tell me a little bit more about your book and how it came about? Well, sure, Hunter. Um, the the it started out as uh, twelve sequential articles that were going to be published in Safety. Well, are currently being published in Safety magazines in the United States, Mexico, Colombia, uh, Chile, Brazil, uh, United Kingdom, Ireland, Russia. India, and I believe we're likely going to also get the Philippines and potentially France, Spain, and Italy. But uh, the idea for putting them into a book happened, and it's it's an easy read. It's 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 not difficult. It's not highly technical stuff. So there's also uh, um, some companies have already started, you know, getting them for all their supervisors, managers. One company even for all their employees. Um, and you know if you can if you can get people to read a safety book, it doesn't get any easier than that. So <laughs> that's why we uh, that's sort of where the the book came from from the twelve articles that were getting published all over the world. Yeah. So as you're listening, if you hear us talk about a chapter or an article, depending on how you're reading this through a magazine or online or through the book, um, we we sort of interchange those two messages. So um, let's get started. So Larry. Let's start back to chapter one, hazards or human error. Uh, we, we know Safe Start's now 21 years old. When did you begin this journey, and what was it like when you started? Well, um, well, yeah, it was, first of all, it's a long time ago, um, and many moons ago, as they'd say, yes. But um, the, 
the world, the safety world back then, if you will, was just getting their hands around multi-elemented safety management systems that could be audited. And it took a while before people realized that audit scores didn't necessarily correlate very well with uh, injury reduction scores. I think it was Dan Peterson that actually kind of exposed that. But uh, um, the world at that time, it was, I'm not saying cultish, like the the system is omnipotent, the system is all-powerful. It wasn't, you know, quite like that. But there certainly was a belief that a... a the managed the managed system if you will and auditing that system was definitely the the theme or the you know the color of the you know the the day type of thing back then and it was early you know i was doing traditional behavior based safety one of the old you know the oldest ones um, which was pretty much about the rules procedures personal protective equipment you know standards tools and equipment procedures and orderliness those kinds of system type of rule booky things and you were going out and teaching supervisors to observe and coach people positively with these things and one of the first jobs that I got was with a very large provincial electrical utility they had different divisions, nuclear power, hydroelectric, thermal. They had uh, cogen as well. And when I was at one of the nukes, I mean, everything there was very highly regulated. If you can imagine, you know, lots of layers of redundancy for things, a lot of system and very low injury rates. And when I got to the next division, which was field services, if you will, sort of overhead linemen guys, and I was talking to them about the injury rate at the nuclear power facility. They just sort of scoffed and said, well, yeah, nobody moves, nobody gets hurt. And I know, I mean, uh, and it, the reason it's funny, too, is because, I mean, it, I don't know if they bit, but I, I didn't see a lot of movement at the nuclear power facility. I mean, in terms of people not moving, there was plenty of it there, for sure. So, I mean... Yeah, I can't help was, but thinking of... Uh, Homer Simpson well, sleeping there at the controls. Well, no, but I mean, it's 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 funny. It, it's funny, but I mean, what it, it the the humor almost unfortunately was part of what disguised the pure the simplicity. Nobody moves. Nobody gets hurt. And you know, it would take me a while before I would actually realize just how significant that was. And partially was you know because it was kind of it was kind of funny. There wasn't. There wasn't necessarily uh, a lot of movement there at the nuke. But I got to this, um, one of the thermal divisions, and they were actually, they had a fairly significant construction project, I think, with a new, uh, two, new, uh, two new turbines that they were putting in. And they were, they wanted, obviously, to manage this project with few injuries, few serious injuries, so they wanted the foreman and general foreman to be making the observations and I was teaching them how to do that and then they also wanted me to sort of do overview sessions for all the different union groups that were going to be working on this project. What I didn't know is that 
they were actually going to do some of the union groups themselves in terms of the overview sessions and that I was just going to get the ones that were going to be more difficult, if you will. <laughs> Bit of a hired gun, you might say. Well, well no, but they, you know, they're definitely giving me the, you know, the, they took the insulators, they gave me the iron workers, for instance, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the you could you could feel the negativity with the iron workers when they came in but it, it wasn't it was interesting though it wasn't you know it was more of a you know like we know but we'll see what they you know the i go through the usual checklist about the you know the critical behaviors and the rules and procedures the personal protective equipment standards and so on on the card and uh we get to the morning coffee break and everybody clears out except for this one guy who's just sitting there. And I said, you don't want a coffee? And he goes, why do you keep calling them hazards? And I said, well, you, you don't have a source of danger. You can't get hurt. And he goes, huh, I guess. And I said, well, what do you call them? And he says, we just call them mistakes. And again, you know, so so simple so so pure you know i mean why yeah what are they going to do get together every morning and talk about the gravity guys the gravity's here again today <laughs> i mean it was here yesterday it's probably going to be here tomorrow too you know i mean what you know so for them there's no sense talking about the hazards it's just about making a mistake with the ever-present hazard so again so 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 simple had you ever thought of it that way? Well, no. Um, I mean, and, and partially that it wasn't that I never had thought about it. It's just that, the, you know, again, party line, we sold all these safety training videotapes and all these different types of hazards. And there's lots of different chemicals and hazards and things like that in industry, right? So it it kind of... And the laws are all about the hazards and the protection of the hazards and the training and the informing the people about all the hazards. So that this certainly seems to be what you naturally sort of, if you were going with the flow, you would just go with the flow, right? That yeah. this was sort of what it was all about. And here are these guys who are the, a different kind of negative, the iron workers, for sure. Yeah. But they've, they, they've kind of got. They weren't about out. the hazards. They were. They were. You know, for them, it was just about the mistakes. But the the system, the system of the, you know, and everybody believing in you know the system being all you know all all powerful, all you know omnipotent kind of thing. We're just not working the system well enough. Was also supported a lot by that when somebody did experience a serious injury, it was also very common to see that a rule or a procedure or a piece of personal protective equipment wasn't used. Was anybody looking beyond why they, they hadn't used it? Well, the see, in this, this, this was where, you know, the behavior-based safety, you know, community, if you will, came in because they said, well, we've... We've got an answer to these deliberate decisions, or we've got a way to change change this. 
because you know the problem with safety consequences is that they're late, they're uncertain, and they're very negative. But because they're you know not right away quite often, and because it's not for sure, just like smoking cigarettes, people are willing to take those kinds of risks, right? Yeah. So the whole idea of that these observations where we're going to bring in soon certain positive consequences, soon certain negative consequences, and we're going to be able to change change behavior without the consequences having to be big. That, I'll get into this later on, but even though that isn't what made behavior-based safety actually work in terms of the injury reductions, it was very plausible, very plausible at the time, right? But... I then got another job at a railroad, and this was another big, big place, like about 3,000 people. It might have even been as many as 5,000 people. And I'm going in there to do the traditional BBS thing about the rules, the procedures, and the personal protective equipment standards. But I had no idea that I think like a week, less than 10 days before I got there, this guy who had been there for 37 years and was super popular. I mean, I, I didn't realize everybody at the railroad had been, you know, 30 years was nothing there. But um, this guy was super popular. He was pulling on this great big lug wrench or something in the switching yard. I'm not sure what it was, but anyhow, this thing let go. He fell backwards. He hit a sharp corner just underneath his hard hat. And they told me that he was like dead within 10 seconds. Wow. And they're all looking at me going, how would anything on your card here have prevented Bill's fatality? That must have been hard to come up against. Well, I mean, I, you know, the fact, I mean, I was like, you know, I just come from Hollywood from wearing like a super fancy suit and tie and shoes and I looked like GQ. I'm sure none of that helped at all there <laughs> in the diesel locomotive shop either. But that I had absolutely no answer to this question whatsoever, like nothing. What did you say to him? I said, well, I, I know it wouldn't have prevented this fatality, but there's like a lot of good stuff on the card, don't you think, right? Like that you should be paying attention to. And so... So this, as you can imagine, did not go well. And I'm doing a whole bunch of these overview sessions and I'm just getting riddled full of holes up there. And I know, like I said, the suit probably didn't help anything in the whole GQ, whatever. But uh, I go into, when I get back to the office, I go in to talk to my dad because it was like a small family business at the time. And uh, and I am hopping mad because we were, we were representing everybody who was anybody in terms of behavior-based safety at the time in Canada. And, uh, I didn't, you know, it's kind of like a used car lot. I didn't care whether you bought the Ford or the Chevy as long as you got it from us. And we get between 15 and 45 cents in a dollar. And we were brokering everybody. Uh, like I said, anybody was anybody. And I went into my dad's office and I said, I can't believe that all of these people with all of their PhDs and everything else not one of them has got this human error thing figured out. And I told him what just happened to me at the railroad and getting riddled full of holes. And he's like, well, if you think you're so smart, then why don't you go figure it out? 
And I said, well, Lotto, I just, I just came in here to complain. I didn't come in here looking for a new job. <laughs> I, just, I mean, it's just I can't believe that all these guys with all their credentials and all the rest of this stuff, they haven't even got, you know, dent, made a dent in this. And he said, well, you, you know, you've been hurt a lot. He said, you know, you get to talk to lots of people. Maybe he said, start with yourself and then, you know, talk to other people and see what's happened to them. See where you go. So after after talking to him, he sort of got the wheels spinning and he started reflecting inwards on some of the injuries that had happened to you? Well, no, actually. I just walked out of his office and I was even more angry because I'm going, well, that thing's a lot. I just, one thing I learned, don't go in and complain to Norm. It doesn't get you anything but another job. <laughs> but a couple months later, I was working for this oil company and I'd done a, a couple sessions already for this oil company and now I was going out to uh, an oil field west of Edmonton fair couple hours west anyhow I got in late at night the sessions really early the next morning and I woke up in the middle of the night had to go to the bathroom on my way back my lips were dry so I needed to kind of get like my chapstick thing that I'd left on the night table but I didn't want to turn the lights on and I'm rummaging around. I can't find it. I mean, for those of you who are familiar with Safe Start, you know this story from unit number one. But I know there's exactly where there's a spare chapstick thing in my gym bag, which is on the couch. So I step over to go get it. And I, that was, I forgot that I'd moved my shoes out of the way in case I did have to get up in the middle of the night. And when my foot kind of half hit the shoe, my ankle rolled over. I start to fall. I put my hands in front of me. There's a shirt that I'd folded on the coffee table and my left hand hit the shirt and it swung out and the coffee table hit me and broke my fall right above my right eye, like just in the eyebrow. And I put my hand up and it was instantly wet. So I was like, oh no. So I'm going to the bathroom, turn the lights on and sure enough, I've got a pretty doozy cut right there. But it's right in the eyebrow, so I think if I just maybe get some ice and go to sleep, I'll be all right because i got to get up really early in the morning. And teaching the class the next day with these huge, like there's almost two black eyes now because the black had actually drifted underneath the <laughs> nose and was underneath the other eye oh, as well. No. And so, again, same sort of thing happened. I'm, you know, I get through the first part of this and I've gone through the checklist and the rules and procedures and the personal protective equipment standards and tools and equipment and procedures and orderliness. And we get to the morning coffee break and there's this one guy just sitting there and I said, don't you want a coffee? And he's just looking at the card and he looks at me and he said, how would anything on this card have prevented your injury there? And I'm like, well, it, it wouldn't, but there's like a lot of good stuff in the card, right? Don't you think you should be paying more attention to it? He's like, yeah, well, yes. But he said, it's obviously not a complete solution, is it? And so that's, that's when I really, you know, in terms of the wheels really starting to turn. That, that's definitely when they really started to turn. But another kind of set of wheels started turning on the way back to the airport because I'm riding with the uh, the uh, safety corporate safety pro and he said thank goodness you didn't go for stitches and I said why not and he said well because then you would have been a recordable injury oh geez how did that make you feel just just sort of having you as a number I, I, on a spreadsheet uh, I, 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 I can't tell you the, the 
how how much animosity or anger it generated it's really hard to you know like i mean i think back on it now i can remember being in the truck i can remember looking at him i can remember thinking about hitting him you know <laughs> the wisdom because he's driving you know like that that's not a good idea um <laughs> you're not but, typically that angry of a well, guy no even. <laughs> i know just but just like you know i nearly lose my eye and all you care about is your safety record and i thought god i can imagine what happens with people who like got really hurt you know like and you know, if they if they if they're made to feel like this, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was it was I mean, that was that was definitely whatever an education. I certainly hadn't got the you know how do you you know prevent all this? So I hadn't got all that figured out by then. Um, but definitely learned a lot from uh, definitely learned a lot from that. So what did you do then? Well. Basically, I just sort of took my dad's advice. I mean, I now had this black eye and a scar over my eye that I could go talk to people about, you know. And um, I also, you know, uh, you know, had a thing falling asleep at the wheel a few years before that. So I started talking to people about those kinds of things. And eventually, it kind of became the basis of the questions that, were the next two paradigm shifts in the book. And from all of that, that really became the, the beginning, or if you will, the foundation for all of this. So, so these experiences eventually matured into some more realizations, some new questions, and eventually grew into Safe Start. Well, eventually, yeah. Um, but it's certainly a lot, a lot of these things all kind of coming together, right? You know, like the... Like I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't really looking, but what ended up getting in your know, way was reality got in your way. You know, you, you didn't have a, you didn't have a complete solution and you didn't have it for them when Bill died at the railroad and you didn't have it for yourself when you nearly took your eye out. And, you know, I'm not sure, you know, the, the one at the railroad was pretty motivating, but certainly the eye thing was a little, obviously a little closer to home. But it was also just the sense I was getting when I was talking to other people about all this stuff, too, that, you know, that I wasn't the only one who knew that there was something missing still, that there was a, there was a piece to the puzzle that it was a significant piece, and nobody had quite figured it out yet. So I guess that brings us back to the beginning of the question that is the title of chapter one. What is it? Is it hazard or is it human error? Well, the, in most cases, it's both. You know, you need both. Um, just like in system failure, human error, it, it's, usually, it's usually both. But even, even it, it's even common at conferences uh, in this day and age to hear people say, you know, Nobody ever comes to work planning to have a serious workplace injury. Nobody's ever trying to get hurt. And that's true for 100% of the people, 100% of the times, whether it's a serious injury or whether it's just banging your shin. So given that nobody is ever trying to get hurt, Something unexpected had to happen. And one of the things we'll look about in the look at in the very next paradigm shift is, well, 
how often is that human error? And a lot of people, that's a real eye-opener for them when they see that one. Yeah. Okay, well, Larry, thank you so much. That brings us to the end of our first episode of the Defenseless Moments podcast. Um, Like I said before, every month we're going to be unpacking a new chapter, a new article in the series, and we're going to hear the story behind where and how Larry discovers these paradigm shifts. So, Larry, thank you so much, and we look forward to the next month's episode. All right. I'll talk to you then.